What's up? Welcome to Point Blank, episode number 30. Akeem, we made it to the big 3-0. I know you turned the big 3-0 this year too, but thank you so okay. much for rocking with us. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, it's on another episode if you rock with Point Blank. And we just want to say thank you so much for rocking with us. If you've been there since day one, if you just started watching our content now, Akeem and I really appreciate it. So if you like the content that we're putting out, if you're enjoying the conversation, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Also, make sure to follow us on our social media platforms. On IG, we're at the Point Blank Pod. On Twitter, we're at Point Blank Pod. And once again, thank you so much for the support. We got a really, really big show today. We got a very special guest as well. But first, before we get into all of that, Akeem, as he does so well, you know, does a lot of big things. And you had a speaking engagement this past weekend. Tell us a little bit about it and how it went. Yeah, you know, it was a, uh, it was a, a good good week of speaking. I spoke Tuesday, um, spoke Wednesday, and spoke again Friday. Uh, the Friday event was, it was called Project X. Um, and it was for a bunch of entrepreneurs uh, from all levels, uh, you know, just getting together, networking type of deal, um, but also seeing how, we can all make an impact in the city. Uh, it went well, you know, anytime I get an opportunity to speak, I'm always grateful for it, but I never go into a speaking opportunity um, with, like it's a mission, right? So it's, it's just like how I used to approach track and field. You know, I'm there to execute. I'm there to do the mission. I'm there to make sure that I give what's needed. So it was good. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything uh, 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 bad to say about it. Shout out to everybody that showed up and for every person that helped uh, behind uh, the scenes. I mean, you had a busy weekend as well too because you were traveling, working the game. You worked two games in like two days. Tell us a little bit. Back to back. I went back to back. Also, that's why they call him Akeem No Game Tains. Uh, he doesn't even play with speaking Holy engagements. Man, you call me that. <laughs> you also had a speaking engagement in Banff too, and I saw that went really well. Um, so, it, by the way, if anyone wants to get you for a speaking engagement, where should they go? Um, well, the website, www.akeeminspires.com, or you can just email me at info at akeeminspires.com. And we can get started that way. But this isn't about me, Chantel. This is about point blank in the show that we have for today. Yeah, we got to get into it. So we're going to start off with the hardwood, Akeem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hall of Famer and one of the greats of all time, made some comments about LeBron James. I want to get your thoughts about it. So LeBron James has positioned himself as one of the leading voices in the league, you know, obviously with the social justice issues against uh, racial issues. And on Sunday, Kareem made some criticisms about LeBron, and he said that James should be embarrassed by some of the things that he's done. And quote, he said, quote, some of the great things he's done, he's standing on both sides of the fence almost. Kareem told reporters Sunday at Crypto.com Arena, he says, it makes it hard for me to accept that when he's committed himself to take a different take on everything, it's hard to figure out where he's standing. You got to check him out every time. And he said, with the issues I was talking about, he said, things that really affect the Black community. He should be careful. That's all I'm asking. And quote, so Akeem, I think you'd be the perfect person to talk about this because he is talking about the Black community and of course the racial and social injustice that happens along with it. What are your thoughts on Kareem's criticisms about LeBron? 
Well, I think he needs to be more specific. Like, I don't like from that, it just seems very general to me. Like, what exactly is LeBron at fault or what you don't like about what he's doing? You know, I think uh, uh, LeBron just so happens to be at a time where he social media is everywhere. And LeBron has been the most highly scrutinized athlete since he's came into the league. Right. So he's been dealing with a whole bunch of different things. And the man literally carries uh, a lot of things on his shoulder. But it's like, if that's how Kareem feels, then does he feel like that about Michael Jordan as well, too? LeBron James has has said more than Michael Jordan has ever said about social injustice. Right. So what 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 where is this all coming from all of a sudden? Is it because LeBron is close, is on the way to breaking the record? Or like, what is the case may be? Like, I like Kareem. I just don't know where all this is coming from right now at this time. Did he feel like this? He must have had to have felt like this years before, right? So I don't know. I think think it's very general what he's saying. I would like to know what exactly is the specific things that is bothering you uh, with LeBron and, and, and what he's doing and what you don't like. So, you know, um, um, I, I, I don't really know too much to really think of it. I, I, I think we need to find out more and he needs to be more specific. I think he's talking in general. Um, but I'm just wondering, man, why, why is it coming out now? You know, so, but that's me. Yeah, well, he kind of mentioned that, like, it's not about the scoring thing. He says that if LeBron catches him, that's cool. Like, that was, like, a really brief thing. Of course, there's more to it. He said that he didn't, like, remember when LeBron James did, like, the big ball celebration? Um, I forgot who it was against, but he said that was, like, embarrassing. That's been done before. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know. Maybe he just holds LeBron to a higher standard because he is looked upon as the greatest of all time. And this generation, you know, depending on who you are and what you're subjective to, you might think he's the greatest of all time, period. That has nothing to do with racial and social injustice. Um, you know, my opinion on it, though, is that LeBron does a lot. Like he has the I Promise School, like you mentioned. He has so much on his shoulders. One of the most scrutinized players of all time hasn't made a mistake. Of course, he's got a lot of people looking out for him. Um, but I think it's tough to make criticisms on someone who does speak out on the social issues, because the fact of the matter is he's one of the biggest athletes in the entire world. So LeBron's voice matters. And the fact that he speaks up and gives back is amazing. You mentioned uh, Michael Jordan. Um, and the, it's funny. It just reminded me of that song from Nas 10 points when he said, you know, Michael Jordan gives back and he didn't know like LeBron does, but it's seldomly shown. Same thing with a bunch of guys in the league, right? It's not publicized, but they do give back to their communities. Dame does it a lot in Oakland. Um, a lot in, in the, in the Bay area, but it doesn't get publicized. So I think LeBron's caliber of having the platform that he has, whether he, you know, does something good or does something bad, it's, he's going to get criticized and he can't win. Um, you know, um, so it's one of those things. I love that he speaks out. I think he does a lot for the community, especially, you know, the black community where right now there's so much happening in the world and there's so much information being come out, even like things, you know, that were happening in Ukraine. To the black community as well so it's, it's really interesting i think the fact that he is one of the biggest athletes um one of the best athletes of all time and he does speak out like shout out to lebron man because he doesn't have to do that you know so i appreciate it and um i think i think the fact that he knows he's a role model obviously he didn't sign up to be one but he is i think he is a good role model too um so it's like Kareem, Kareem's from a different era, man. He's cut from a different cloth, right? So he went through the social justice issues too, but just in a different way that LeBron did. And uh, it's interesting. So, I mean, I think Kareem is definitely speaking in code. So, (laughs) 
you know, if you're going to say something, Kareem, just say it. Okay. We want, we want the facts, but point blank would love to know your thoughts on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar comments on LeBron James. Do you agree with him? Uh, what are your thoughts on LeBron obviously being very talkative and outspoken about issues that he's very passionate about? Let us know, drop some comments in our YouTube section, or you can also hit us up on Twitter at point blank pod or on IG at the point blank pod. UFC 273, Chantel. The UFC continues to bring us a great card and great fights. Um, and this weekend is no different. Alexander Volkanovsky versus the Korean zombie. Um, well, Sung, Sung Jung, I think his name is. Uh, you, you know you know, you cool, right? When your nickname is what people call you, not by your first name, right? But what are your thoughts on this fight, Chantel? How do you have it going? And, and uh, who do you see winning? This is the best nickname of all time, by the way. Uh, the Korean zombie, he's got really good power, really good counter shots. He's a huge underdog in this fight if we're going to talk betting, but we won't because this is point blank. Um, but he's got this nasty uppercut and his power is real. So it has to be taken seriously, but he's not like the easiest guy to take down. So let's look, take a look at Volkanovsky because he is the best right now, right? He's undefeated for a reason. He's the champ for a reason. One of the best featherweights. And I think when we look back in a few years, we're going to be like, well, Volkanovsky was crazy good and probably will be looked upon as one of the best featherweights of all time at one point, but he works behind the jab really well. He's got really good stamina. This guy doesn't get tired. I don't know if he sleeps. I don't know if he eats. I don't know what he does, but the, guy, the guy's stamina is crazy good. Okay. Um, he doesn't get tired ever. He could probably like be awake for like 72 hours and come into this fight get into the octagon and have like this crazy energy and like just go crazy rounds. That's how good his stamina is. And um, he's going to land huge combos. He's really good at that. And I actually think he's going to be using leg kicks a lot against the Korean zombie. He's going to be controlling the distance in this. I just think that he's the better all around fighter and more skilled than the Korean zombie, even though you have to take the Korean zombie, um, Chan Sung Jung, his power for real. The odds are crazy, but I'm going to roll with Alexander Volkanovsky by stoppage. And then maybe, just maybe, we get the Max Holloway trilogy. Because I think that's what, you know, people were kind of looking for, right? Yeah, you know, uh, Volkanovsky's, uh, man, you just talked about his cardio. He's, uh, I don't know what he does for training, right? But I wish I had that even when I was running track and field. Um, but he, again, he's uh, he's he's he's... In his last fight against Brian Ortega, who beat the Korean Zombie last year, was a great fight. I mean, in the first round, they both drew blood. Um, they both pushed each other, but Volkanovski just took it to another level, man. He's 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 tough. He's a good striker. He's compact. He's five six, but he's well built. Like he's solid. He's quick. Um, he's hard to hit. The thing that makes him different, apart from his cardio, I mean, uh, Colby Covington has a great cardio as well, too. But as soon as he, Volkanovski throws combinations, he moves out the way and limits the amount of ability for him to get countered. But what was interesting in that fight was um, in the third and fourth round, he found himself in trouble. I'll take it to myself. Oh, crap. This guy's going to get submitted. But at the moment, he showed me and he showed the many others watching uh, in pressure situations if you panic, it's not going to work out for you, right? Especially in combat sports. But in, in mind, when he was in trouble, he kept his composure. He was patient. And it looked like he knew exactly how to get out of it. 
right? And I just thought that is what makes a champion is you don't pressure underneath the pressure moments. You don't fold. You stick to your training. You trust it. And the display, uh, how he finished that fight was truly outstanding. You know, um, um, the Korean zombie, man, apart from the great name, Right. He actually has a pretty, uh, pretty good resume of fighters. You know, I mean, he got he got wins over Dustin Poirier, uh, Renato Moicano and Frankie Edgar. And most recently, Dan, Dan, I don't want to say his name incorrectly, Don, each, each edge. Um, but he does get hit a lot. Right. I'm not sold on his defensive movements. Right. He's, he's stiff. Uh, when he throws his right hand, there's no feints beside it. When he throws the right hand, you know the right hand is coming. He doesn't try to hide it. Uh, but that can work with him. But I think it's going to work against him in this one. Because I think Volkanovsky, he's going to hide behind his feints. He's going to pick his spots. He's going to wear you down. He's going to be the aggressor. And the Korean zombie already gets hit a lot. And I don't think this is going to be any different. And when you're coming against a guy who strikes a lot and comes at you a lot, um, the Korean zombie's best bet is for him to fight from a distance, but also to try to win in the takedown. So um, I don't I'm not sold on uh, the Korean zombie's defensive style. I don't think he's defensively sound. I don't know if he's going to be able to cover up and withstand the pressure that Volkanovski is going to is going to have with him against him. So I have Volkanovski winning this one. Um, and I think there's going to be a knockout in the third or fourth round. I think the pressure is going to be too much. Um, for the Korean zombie. So Volkanovski, I have him uh, winning this one. Point blank would love to know who do you have winning this one? How do you see it going, Chantel? This is such a crazy fight card. Yeah. Right? Because uh, Hamzat Kamaev is, is fighting as well too. But we also have a rematch of a fight that almost like it ended. Like, you know, when a good movie is, for example, right? When you're watching a Marvel movie, and when the ending is done, people leave. But like, if you're if you've been in the comics, you know you can't leave. You gotta like when end credits. Yeah, you gotta wait another ten more minutes, right? But this was kind of that same fight because it ended, but we knew that there was more to it because it didn't end the way how we expected to. Um, Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Yan two. These two have history. In the first fight, Peter hit Sterling with an illegal knee that ended the fight. Now they're going back at it again. How do you have this one going and who do you uh, have winning this one? Man, the first fight when that disqualification happened, I was upset because this fight was crazy good. I remember I remember tweeting about it, just being disappointed. But um, we get it again. Right. And in the first fight, uh, Sterling was actually out striking Jan and he was supposed to actually be the better wrestler and be good at taking down Petter, but that didn't actually happen in the first fight. I don't think he's going to be able to get Jan on the ground easily again, because he wasn't able in that first fight. So that's really interesting. But the thing about Sterling is like, he works hard for everything. This guy is an absolute beast. And I think the stamina issue is going to come up because I do think Petter Yan has the better stamina and, you know, yeah, and you know me, Akeem, I love boxing, right? He is probably one of the best boxers and solid boxers in the UFC. He throws really good combos. I think he's going to try to outbox Sterling. He's got really good head movement. As mentioned earlier, Sterling was not able to get him on the ground easily and control him there. So Jan's takedown defense has actually gotten better and is more solid since that fight. Yan is the better striker. He's the better technician. He throws more volume punches. And when I think about this fight and I think about this rematch, I've got Jan by decision, but I think it's going to be an absolute banger. Like this fight is going to be 
crazy. I know there's a lot of anticipation for it. This could have been a main event. Yeah. This fight could have been a main event on a card. That's how crazy this card is. But um, yeah, so I've got Jan winning by decision. I think Sterling's going to be a tough fight, but I just think all around right now that Jan is a better fighter. And he kind of showed that in the first one. So it'll be interesting, but I got Jan by decision. What about you, Akeem, who you got in this fight? Yeah, I mean, going back to the first fight, right? Because you have to go back to the first one to, 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 to assess everything. Um, I thought Sterling came out very very hot right kept the pressure on him but what was interesting was in that second round when his trainer asked him man you know how you feeling and he took a big breath in and said nothing right so in that fight to me up until the knee um I felt like Sterling was fighting a bit reckless and a bit impatient at times he had a high volume and he had high work rate his first round noticeably his best shot was that flying knee but he also got dropped by um a right hand and a low kick in the first round by peter yan as well too i think um um yan yan operated in the sense of a champion right he was patient he picked his spots i just thought aljamain man there was a lot of things i'm just like man like you're rushing everything like it felt like he was forcing he was forcing himself there forcing to do to to uh, uh have a high volume work rate and I think if he just slowed it down, he would have been able to at least calculate his shots a little better because even though he was swinging and, and being the aggressor, he really wasn't doing anything to PTR. He was touching him up a little bit, but it was a touch. It wasn't a sting. It was like a touch, right? So I think in this fight, um, Sterling needs to come in and just be more patient. Don't force these things. Just get what you can get because Peter Yan, yeah, he's a fighter, but he's also a thinker. Right? He's a champion for a reason. He's going to come in there. He's going to see what you're going to offer him. He's going to wait his time. He's going to pick his spots. He's a great striker. You just talked about his boxing. I mean, the shot that he gave uh, Sterling in the first round would, would took out a lot of people, right? And so in this fight, if Sterling comes in with that same mind frame and that same aggressive rate and that same work rate, I think it's going to be a knockout, right? Because I think now there's also the other question of, man, have you... What are you like now? Peter is the more active fighter, right? So this is Sterling's first fight since the incident. So we don't know where you are mentally. We don't know what you're like physically. We don't know if you are going to fight a little bit more tentative now, if you're going to fight from a disc. Like, what is that going to look like for him once he gets in the ring, right? I think, um, I think Jan is coming in with redemption on his mind. Right. Because I know even though he got uh, uh, disqualified with the kick, they were still going back and forth on Twitter talking about like, man, yeah, you know, when are you going to come back in the ring and blah, 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 blah. So in this fight, if Sterling comes in with that same mindset, that same, it kind of looked like he didn't really have a game plan. It just looked like he was just trying to fluster him with shots. And if that's how you're going to come into the octagon with someone who is a thinker, who is someone who is a champion, who is someone who knows what it's like to fight in pressure moments, who probably loves fighting. There are people who like fighting, but Jan seems like he loves fighting. He's very stoic in his approach, in his face. So it'll be interesting to see how, how it goes. But if Sterling comes in with that same, uh, same plan that he did in the first one, I think I think he's gonna tire himself out, and I think uh, Jan's gonna expose him in the third or fourth round. So I have 
even though I want Sterling to win, right? He's Jamaican, right? He's got the Jamaican descent. <laughs> I like it. I got to support. But I have uh, Peter Yan coming out this one uh, victorious um, third, third or fourth round uh, for me. Point blank would love to know UFC 273. Who do you have uh, winning this one? How do you have it going? Chantel, boxing. Now we have finally have the anticipation of what the summer may look like. All of the trash talk that these two have been doing, all of the, the tweeting that all that these two have been doing. Hopefully we get to see it in the summer now, now that Savannah Marshall took care of what she had to do against Femke Hermans, right? But Chantel, what were your thoughts on this fight? And um, I mean, you called it. You said knockout um, in what, the third round? And that's what happened, right? But, but what else was going through your mind? Break, break us, uh, break this fight down for us. Give us the recap. Well, yeah, I, I think we were both right on that. I think we both said third or fourth round, uh, you know, Savannah came in, she controlled the fight right away. She was able to control the distance. She moved around the ring really well. She cut off the ring really well as she always does. And I mean, she just did what Savannah Marshall does. Right. And that knockout was vicious in the third round. I think it was like with the left hook, it was pretty nasty, but the one thing that I noticed in this fight was Femke was able to land on Savannah a couple of times. You know what I mean? And we talked about how it sets up Savannah Marshall, Clarissa Shields, Clarissa Shields was in the house. And the one thing that I keep thinking about is the fact that it, what, where is this fight going to be? Is, is it going to be over across the pond? Because if it is, I don't think that's a good fit for Clarissa Shields because there's going to be bias there. Like, let, let's just keep it real here. There's going to be bias with the judges because Marshall, yeah, she does have the power and she puts on a really good show and she's had knockout after knockout, but her defense isn't that great. She's a switch hitter. And whenever she tries to switches her stance, she gets hit. And against someone like Clarissa Shields, who's really good defensively, are you going to be able to land on her? Because Clarissa Shields is going to land on you. And it's just a stylistic fight where you're going to base your whoever you want to win on the fight style that you like. But I also think that Marshall kind of headhunts a little bit too much. Like I was watching that fight and I'm like, man, don't you think she should get to the body a little bit more? It's going to be interesting how she fights Clarissa Shields, but that's what I thought. Savannah Marshall had a Savannah Marshall performance. She got the knockout, but... I saw some flaws in there that I think Clarissa Shields is going to expose in their big fight. And I hope we get that blockbuster fight. And I'm just curious about where they're going to have it. I do think they're going to have it over there across the pond. And if they do, then like, I, I hope the judges are fair in their assessment because we know how things can go. And I just think all around overall, I know Clarissa Shields doesn't have the knockouts on that resume. Right. I get that. And I, I know that, you know, when they fought before that Savannah Marshall won, but that was a long time ago. And Clarissa Shields is a different beast. And the fact that Savannah Marshall's defense isn't the best. And every time she switches a little bit slow and she gets hit, watch out for that. That's, that's all I'm saying. We're going to break down that fight whenever it gets announced. But those were my thoughts on Savannah Marshall. She put on a good show. I, I'm just ready to see Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields. And I'm loving the trash talk on Twitter. I want to continue to see it. And uh, those were my thoughts. What about you, Akeem? Yeah, you know, um, one, I mean, the amateur stuff. Look, people got to stop living in the past, man. These two are two different fighters now. Um, they're both better. They're both at the high um, 
in their highest form performance wise. Uh, but this fight, you know, like, again, like, it's like what you said, I thought Femke had some good moments, right? I saw some good combinations that she was putting together. Um, she's a good boxer, right? Um, some, uh, some uppercuts I saw in there as well, too, good combinations, but it's just, she didn't have any power behind it. And that whole, that whole time, Savannah Marshall just looked like, this looked like a, a, a sparring match. Right. Like it didn't look like she was taking it particularly seriously. And 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 maybe that's why she got caught. Maybe she came in just like, man, I just got to get this over with. Maybe, you know, she's definitely confident. But to me in this one, it didn't really look like it didn't really look like it was a challenge for her. Right. It just looked like it was one of those fights where she was just going through the motions and then she finally put the combination together and then it was it. She knew she was going to knock her out. I find. Right. I know if MK hasn't been knocked out before. But in this fight, she just looked scared. You know, Femke looked like she 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 was too worrisome of the power of Savannah Marshall, you know, and so I felt like she was fighting a little bit different. Um, Savannah Marshall absolutely has the power, like we all know that. Um, but the moment, like the moments where um, Femke was working, I just, Clarissa's going to work that a little bit more. She's harder to hit. A lot more. Right? And, and. And you spoke about her not going to the body as much and headhunting. I think it's two things. I think, I mean, when you're 5'11", it's hard to kind of go to the body against these smaller girls, right? So maybe she was like, man, I'm not going to put as much effort into going to the body if I can just go to the head because it might be a little bit harder, right? But a target like Femke, I mean, if you hit enough, I mean, she's not the best defensive fighter to begin with. So, um, yeah, to me, it, it wasn't any pressure for Savannah. It was just, you know, I just got to get through this girl to give the people the fight and get the fight that we want to get to. Um, so I don't want to talk too much about the Clarissa Shields fight until it happens so we can save it. But um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing when that date comes. But if she is thinking that she's just going to walk through Clarissa Shields and it's going to be another fight, she's got a whole new thing coming because she's she has not fought a fighter like Clarissa Shields, vice versa in both parties. Right. But I'm looking forward to breaking that one down to seeing how it goes. Um, but first, you know, you know, in boxing, you know, we got to see it happening first. Um, it is definitely going to go to England. Um, you know, uh, after the interview, Clarissa was saying she hopes it's going into the O2 where the fans may be a little bit more mutual, but let's be honest, right? Like if you're already in Europe, it's not going to be mutual and you're going to be at a disadvantage. So, um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Point Blank would love to know, uh, what are your thoughts on this fight? Did it live up to, uh, did Savannah Marsh live up to the hype or... Are you as excited for Savannah Marshall, Clarissa Shields as we are? Let us know in the comments section. Man, I'm looking forward to it, man. But first and foremost, man, we have to give a little backstory behind you. Okay. Um, growing up in New York, I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough place to be in first and foremost, especially when it comes <laughs> to boxing. A lot of legendary um, boxers have came from that magnitude, man. But tell me a little bit about your earliest days growing up and doing boxing, man. How did you get involved in it? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um... So I, yes, I'm from Forest Hills, uh, Forest Hills, New York, that Regal Park. That's where I, that's where I'm originally from. Um, good area. It's actually one of the most diverse areas in the whole country. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, I would say it's like, you know, middle-class area. Um, but, um, you know, when I, when I was, when I was all throughout my, my childhood, when I was like, you know, before the age of eight years old, I, 
I was an ordinary kid, um, you know, had fun, played with my friends outside, um, did like to eat, especially pizza. Um, I ate pizza every single day, um, <laughs> literally in all of its forms, Elio's pizza, uh, pizza rolls, um, lunch pizza. And uh, I like to eat. I've o- I still like to eat, love to eat. Uh, and I was a bit overweight. Um, you know, I was probably like 100 pounds when I was eight years old. And I, I was being bullied a little bit yeah. uh, by my first cousin. Um, I think he was the only person to do that. Yeah, only person. Yeah. Uh, my first cousin was bullying both me and my brother. Not like, wasn't like drastic, but, you know, he would tease me. He, he, was, he was the boss, right? And uh, one day, my, my cousin, my brother and I were playing video games in one room in our apartment in Queens. And my dad is in the living room and he's working out. And he sees, he sees, you know, Chris calling the shots. That's my cousin's name. And uh, he's like, all right, this, this is going to end. So he, he, he asked me if I wanted to box and I went to the boxing gym uh, and I loved it. Um, loved to box. I, you know, I sparred my cousin on two occasions. He, he asked me, I told him I, I started boxing. He asked me to spar. And uh, first time I, I hit him with um, a right hand, right, right to the chest. And he was on the floor, like gasping, gasping. He was like, get me water, get me water. I'm like, no problem, all, right, Chris. all right, Chris. All right, Chris. That was a good feeling. You know, I, I, I didn't want him to like, you know, be gasping and stuff, but it was a good feeling. The fact that like I beat my cousin um, and then he, he wanted a rematch. I went this time I went to his place and, uh, we did it. We, we sparred again. Uh, this time I, you know, I busted his nose and I was like, and then that was the end of bullying. There was no more bullying yeah. from that point on no more. Um, and I, I just, I just, you know, I, I love the sport kept what kept going to the gym. I, I, my, my gym was the PAL in, um, in fleshy metal park. That was the first gym I ever went to PAL in fleshy metal park. I was only there for a couple of months. Then I went to Lost Battalion Hall right on Queens Boulevard. Um, very, very popular gym. It's, there's no longer a boxing program there, but that's where I went. My dad was my coach. And from the age of eight years old and on, I started like I started training like a pro. I wasn't, it was, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very serious sport. Um, I wanted to be good at it. And my dad, you know, trained me the way he know how. My dad was actually trained by Hall of Fame trainer um, Teddy Atlas. Uh, oh, trainer, tra- trainer of Mike Tyson. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I, we were with Teddy Alice about a year ago doing the, the fight plan with Teddy Alice. Was it Tyson? Tyson Jones. I think it was. Yeah. Tyson Jones. We, we went to the Trinity boxing club and we helped him out and we, we caught up and there's this video um, online. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's on the fight plan of, God, I had to find out which fight plan it's at. So there's a 10 minute uh, piece of my dad and I, and Teddy and I, uh, just talking. Um, which which one is it? Um, I'm gonna get it right now for you. Um, yeah, so so we're just like catching up and just uh, pr- pretty much explaining how Teddy was like the uncle that I never saw, never, ne- never really saw, uh, never really saw, but my dad was would always talk about him and so, and so forth. Um, anyways, um, and then I. You know, I, I used to I used to train. I used to train like a pro. I used to do three three miles at a time. I used to go to, used to go to the boxing gym, um, do my strength and conditioning, and then I kept competing all throughout my, my adolescence. Won the Junior Olympics for for New York when I was sixteen, uh, and the hundred. I was gonna go on to the nationals, but I was disqualified, being two pounds overweight. So I fought the kid. I, I weighed in heavy. Fought the kid. I won. Couldn't go on to nationals because of that. Um, I was always um, always a smart kid growing up. So. 
I was an honor roll student all throughout my, my adolescence. Oh, sorry, I didn't mention this. I moved to Northport, Long Island um, when I was 12 years old. Um, you know, my, my sister was going to, was, uh, was going to be born, my little sister and my parents, we wanted a bigger place. So we moved to Long Island and then I kept continuing training th- uh, here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in uh, Northport, um, as well now. Um, and I was an honor roll student all throughout when I was, um, 17 years old, I got into the NYU Stern School of Business where I studied economics and global business. Hmm. Um, you know, I now, I now, I thought, I thought myself was just more, more than a boxer, which I am. Um, a lot of boxers are. It's just one thing that that we do. Um, and now in this journey that we'll get into later, I'm on a journey to um, explore my new talents and grow, uh, uh, develop a master, um, you know, a, a mastery skill set in other departments such as coaching, you know, life coaching, which I'm, I currently do now. Um, but um, so I, I went to NYU Stern School of Business. I studied economics and global business. Had a couple internships throughout. Um, I made decisions to go back to boxing when I was 21 years old. Um, so I went back to boxing. Um, you know, my dad and his friends always try to, oh, they, all of them try to win the golden gloves. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to turn pro. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, um, I, I didn't mention this, but the reason why I decided to go back into boxing, um, I got into a little bit of a, a tussle um, in college. Uh, my friends and I were walking home one night and, uh, and I don't, you know, and then uh, some guys just started with us and then we got into a tussle. And then the next day I called my dad and I'm like, you know what, dad, I think and we were all just like, you know, we were all partying and stuff, but um, they started it, whatever, <laughs> self-defense. So it was a self-defense. Okay. But anyways, the next day I called my dad, I'm dad, I want to go back to boxing. So he's like, dad, Alex, you don't have the discipline, this and that. You're a party kid. You know, you like to, so I was partying all throughout college. Yeah. Um, and um I went, I went into the Golden Gloves, registered for the Golden Gloves, won all five five uh, of my fights, uh, two of them by knockout. Oh, what? Well, TKO, not knockout. Uh, and then I, I, won, I won at the Barclays Center uh, in May 2016, um, fought uh, on the same card along the likes of uh, uh, Shushu. You guys know Shushu? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Shushu uh, Carrington. He just had a, a, a very big knockout. Uh, yeah. Rich, Richardson Hitchens. I sparred Richardson Hitchens a couple of times. Um, uh, Nikita Ababai, he won a year, probably not the same year as me, but I fought, you know, I was, I was, um, and this was a year out of college. Like I was partying and, and I also won the <laughs> outstanding fighter of the year award that year. So, you know, I know, you know, I have a, I have great, great coaching. My dad, you know, he's, uh, he's the master behind all this. So, um, really developed uh, a very high skill set and uh, won, won pretty, pretty easily um, throughout the Golden Gloves. The hardest part for, for winning the Golden Gloves was just, you know, conquering myself, um, self-discipline. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a lonely sport. It's, uh, you really, you really got to go into, you know, into, into yourself to do, to do well in boxing. Um, and, um, yeah, so I won, I won the Golden Gloves, um, won the Golden Gloves, uh, learned that I had an injury. I just became a little bit sensitive to receiving punches. Later, later found out that it's um, cranial cervical syndrome. It was like a misalignment of my atlas orthogonal that's, that cut off uh, cerebral spinal fluid flow um, to, to the brain, just making me more sensitive for impact. I'd never been knocked down in my entire life, never been hurt, never, ever looked hurt in the ring, never, just like Gennady Golovkin, never looked hurt at all. <laughs> um, but you know, just because you don't look hurt in the ring doesn't mean that your body's not doing something. Absolutely. 
you know? So I learned that and I was like, what the hell's going on, man? Like, I'm, I'm fine. I, I went to, I went to the doctors, uh, CAT scan, MRI, brain spec scans at the AMA clinics. Brain looks good. Uh, I found out up until like maybe yeah, six, uh, like f- four months ago, five months ago that I, I had a like couple of herniated discs back there in my neck, uh, misalignment and then like uh, extra uh, cerebral um, spinal fluid in my brain. That was like, literally, it was just like not proper flow because there was like a blockage there. Um, but, um, you know, since since that time of having stopped boxing, I was, you know, investment consulting associate. I was, uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I worked in sales uh, probably for a total of like a year and a half, not that long. And then I started my coaching career and uh, started to, um, you know, want to use my passion in other directions. And now and now I'm constantly rediscovering myself, rediscovering what I do and, um you know, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot that I've learned in, in boxing throughout my life. And what I'm working on now as a coach is just helping people realize their, their true potential um, and, you know, conquering them themselves, teaching them, you know, that we're, we're here for a reason. We're here for, we're here to fight. We're, you know, we were here to make this world a better place. We're here to add value to, to this world. Um, and, you know, just like, Plenty of, plenty of, uh, just like guys like Muhammad Ali, like everyone talks about Muhammad Ali, he's a great boxer. He was, he, he was a, like, you look at Ali, right? The reason, the reason why I started boxing, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> um, uh, the reason why I started boxing was because of Muhammad Ali, because I wanted to speak to people. That's the reason why I wanted yeah. to box, to gain a platform so that I can speak to people just like Muhammad Ali did. Um, and, um, and now I am speaking to people now, you know, now I, you know, obviously want to expand my reach. I want to, you know, um, just, just do what I'm doing. I'm here, here to do. And, you know, I'm just a messenger. I, I, um, I've just lived, a sto- lived, lived a story and I'm living a story and I want to help. I'm just learning and just learning and, and, uh, and sharing what I, what I learned and, you know, work a lot with, with kids as well. Um, you know, um, thinking about speaking at a couple of schools, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much my, my story with, uh, with boxing and, um, very, very excited to be here. Um, Man, so, okay. yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I do want to, I do have a couple of questions actually, cause you have such an amazing story, Alex. Um, you. when you, when you found out that you had this pure passion for boxing, obviously great story. Your cousin was beating up on you. You know, you took it into your own hands. Your dad got kind of got you into boxing, but you know, how did that feel when you kind of learned that this was something that you were really passionate about and that you wanted to pursue? What was that feeling like? And this is kind of a two-part question. When you found out that, you know, you did sustain injuries and you had to kind of let it go and focus on other things that obviously you're very talented at, what was that experience like for you? Gotcha. Well, um, when I when I finally, it was just so organic just not didn't feel forced getting into boxing because my dad had been boxing ever since he was you know he was uh 18 years old um so just felt very very natural um i just i just remember i remember just you know doing it feeling powerful uh feeling strong going from being you know an overweight kid who lacked confidence to a kid who um now now began to control the world around him right? Um, it's about control. It's about being powerful. It's about having control. And if we are good people, if we are good people, we must have control because if we don't, 
the bad will take over as my cousin Chris exemplified. Um, so just have, <laughs> well, sorry. Oh, oh, no, no cause, cause you, you got your cousin Chris. So good oh, on yeah, you. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah. So I felt very, very powerful. I felt, felt good. I started, uh, started to love myself and I was like, okay, all right, this feels good. This feels good. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay at it and, uh, you know, read, read books about Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson. I just, I, I felt Muhammad Ali actually started boxing because he was being bullied as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got his bike stolen and just felt very, very good. Um, and you know, if something feel, makes you feel good you're obviously just going to keep, keep doing it. I spent a lot more time with my dad. Um, you know, um, you know, when I began boxing, my dad and I's, my dad and my, my dad and I, our relationship just grew significantly. Uh, I started to learn from him, started to learn how to be a gentleman, started to learn how to carry myself, started to learn how not to fear anyone and anything. Uh, I remember being first time I went to, um, you know, I'm again, I'm from Forest Hills. First time I went to these gyms, these like, these like literally, uh, like underground. Uh, I remember going to the PAL in the Bronx and this, the PAL was, it's now cops and kids. So cops and kids is, is the, is the, the, is the top gym in amateur boxing in, in New York right now. Yeah. Teddy Alice, uh, Alice cops and kids, but the, the PAL in the Bronx was where that, that was before and taught they won the golden gloves every year, won all, all the tournaments. I remember first going to that gym and it was like, wow, man, this is, this is the South Bronx. All right. Like them, you know, this is, this is, you know, you could feel it, you know, and then going in there and just, you know, I remember walking down the stairs, three flights of stairs underground. I'm like, there's no windows, no nothing, <laughs> you know, uh, and I remember being scared. I remember every, I remember going, you know, just being there and just be like, you know, I was going to spar this kid and in boxing. It's very, very, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's always people trying to take advantage of you in boxing everywhere you go. Um, and I remember I was in a spar this kid. His name's Pedro Sosa. Top, he was a top amateur. Um, he he had like fifty fights. He was my age. He was ten. Uh, I was nine. He was like ten, um, and he was very very experienced. And I you know, um, but I I went in there and um, I I sparred him. I sparred another another guy. It's like it's like you you want to know. It's like it's like the feeling like when you're scared. When you're you know, it's it's interesting when you're scared so much, but then when you actually do the thing that you were scared about, it's not that not that easy. Basically, like I'm, I was stronger and more powerful, more capable than I believed I was. Mm-hmm. But when every time I got in the ring, because of my dad's training, of course, and and all the other things, I I did enough to hold my own. I never got beat up ever in my entire life in boxing. So, so anyways, like it was a scary, scary thing, you know, all these kids, you know, they were, they were, um, you know, trying to win in the sparring session, but you know, I, I always did well. I always performed well and, um, you know, conquered my fears, um, throughout that process of, you know, you know, fighting, uh, fighting different kids in my first fight, I'm going to go on to the next question. Now, uh, my first fight, I remember, uh, I was nine years old and, um, I, I was my first fight. I was going up a kid, kid, kid who was taller than me, older than me. I think he was, yeah, he was ten or eleven. He was five and zero. Oh, and he, when he, when he, when he first saw me walk into the arena, he said, "This is a kid I'm gonna fight." Oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, f this kid up. He said it. I'm like, 
I just kept walking like a cute little kid I am. And then I get into the ring where I look like a baby up, up until, up until when I start, as soon as I start, you know, uh, I'm just into it. And I, and I beat him and he cried at the end, uh, which is pretty funny, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he cried, he, cried um, he, he was like this, he was like this. And then when they announced my, my hand, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> anyway. So, so that was, you know, that was a bit of, you know, the, the, uh, that was the first question. Second question, um, you know, the, to the transition, it's, I'm still making the transition. I've just realized, I just realized a couple of days ago that, um, you know, in order to get anywhere, you need, you need a vision um, before you actually get there. And up until like a couple of days ago, I didn't realize that I didn't, I did not have, I, I, I from making, since making the transition, I have not, I, I still have yet to create and I'm working on it and I'm uh, working on that. Um, so I have not, I have not yet to create that same solid vision that I had in boxing, right? So in boxing it was simple, right? What am I going to do? What am what mission am I on? I'm going to become a world champion. What do I need to do to get there? Beat everybody who's in front of me, work hard, sleep, eat, drink, drink, think boxing, right? That's the goal. That's the goal. Um, and then very, very simple. It's not easy. Of course it's not easy, but it's very, very simple. So that's always been my goal ever since I was little, right? Become a world champion. That's what I'm going to do. And then, and I've always attached myself to that. And then as, and throughout my twenties, I've had to, even though I've tried to come back to boxing several times and, uh, and still face with the same, the same issue. Um, I, yeah. So the, the, the hardest part is, is, is literally just starting over. It's starting over, um, you know, to, you know, even, even though that was, I was my first love and that's when I started doing from the ages of eight until the ages of 22 on a competitive basis, we need to, we often need to reinvent ourselves using the information that we have from the past. So the hardest part now for me is to create who I want to be, what that vision of success looks for me compared to, um, you know, compared to just, you know, having a championship belt, giving it to my father, speaking to people from there. Now I need to now. And I'm, I have a, you know, I, I definitely want to speak to people. I want to get up on stage. I I'm going to continue my, my coaching. I'm going to, you know um, you know, yeah, you know, move, definitely move the, the business around. I want to, you know, move to a warmer climate. I want to, you know um, I have, you know, all these, all these things, right. So now I just need to create that vision. Doesn't need to be today, tomorrow. You need to have an idea of where you're going, and, um, and I think that's also the hardest part for um, for a lot of boxers is to start over, because it's 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 like it, boxing is like going to war. You know, you're so attached to it, especially since that's something you've always done. That's why veterans have a hard time doing anything besides war. You know, um, and I, but throughout this process, last couple of years, I've just been, I've been very, very grateful, very, very close to God in a healing period. I no longer want to fight. Um, this is, this is no longer, I no longer want to, uh, you know, take hits, give hits. Um, I've learned a lot from my experience. Um, but now it's time to use my brain and grow my brain and help people with my, my, my mind and my mouth, right? This is not what makes us the most lethal creatures in the whole universe. It is our mind and it is, it is our mouth, it is our voice. So I'm learning that power 
while changing people's lives, you know, as I've had, as I have over the last couple of years as a coach. And now I'm using that. And, and I want to do this because I also want to encourage so many other boxers and other fighters to do the same, to, you know, grow their mind, grow their mind because, you know, um, that's, that's, that's winning. Winning in life is, is having, is having your health, Mm-hmm. is being able to help people is having is have being capable right um growing being 60 50 years old and being in the best shape of your life not being not going down is to, is to is to expand your longevity and your health so that you can help right so this is my stock you know uh, and i'm plan on growing that stock um just like we all we all should but um you know it's uh it's definitely, it's definitely been, been a journey and I'm still learning. I don't know everything. I don't know everything. There are, there are things I want to learn from everybody. I have things I want to learn from you guys right now. You know, um, we all have things to teach each other and, uh, we all have a story. Um, so I'm also very interested to, to learn your guys' story as well. So, uh, yeah, man, you know, the, 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 the interesting part about that is, uh, one, you said you no longer want to box big, big deal. Right. That's the first step. Letting go of. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As 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 athletes, especially. Yeah, especially, you know, in boxing is a very individual sport, even though there's a team around you. And it's the same with track and field for me. Um, But the hardest part about transitioning is when you're in the sport, you physically do the work, you physically get results. But then when you transition now, you're not reliant on the physical work. Now you got to think your way into what is going to come next. So it's the steps that come with it, man. But as you spoke about to try to grow and try to expand, there's two fights we got to break down to, man. Two fights we got to break down to. We got to talk about Ryan Garcia and Emmanuel Togi. We, yes. You and I had a conversation about Ryan Garcia slightly before. And I was just saying, yeah, man, yeah. just save it for the show, right? Because <laughs> um, a lot of people love Ryan Garcia, right? But you're not really sold on him. So we're going to go to you. Uh, what's your prediction on this fight? Who do you have winning? How do you have it going? And then Chantel is going to follow suit. But break this fight down for us, man. Perfect, perfect. So um, um, so Ryan Garcia, he's uh, he's been out of the ring, what, for like two years now, right? His last fight was Luke Campbell. Um, he's he's the you're, you're only as good as your, as your last fight. Absolutely. And, you're, and, you know, um, a lot can a lot can change. I actually learned. I knew that he had mental health issues, but I didn't know that he was actually like contemplating contemplating suicide yes, at one man. point. That's that's tough. I don't know what that's about. I have no idea. I don't think any of us do. But but he took a hit. It's like it's it's as if he got knocked out um, in his last fight because he did have a fight, right? Not the one after Luke Campbell, the one he had with himself. Um, and it hurt him. He was hurt. So I don't know who this Ryan Garcia is. I don't know who he is. I don't know who's stepping into the ring, um, in his next fight with, uh, Manuel, T- uh, Tego. Um, but you know, I know he, he left the, he left the Reynosos, uh, to go train with Joe Goosen. Um, I don't know what happened with Reynoso and, you know, and Canelo and the whole team, but Canelo didn't, didn't give a really good response to how Ryan Garcia performed with Eddie Reynoso. I don't know. Um, but, you know, Reynoso uh, is, is trainer of the year last year. He's worked with Canelo, Oscar Valdez, 
Um, so I don't know what Ryan Garcia was lacking. I don't know if there was a connection issue, this or that. Uh, but now he's training with Joe Goosen, Hall of Fame trainer, trained uh, Diego Corrales. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how, how he comes in. Um, I think that you know, I, I did I did research on Manuel uh, Tego. He actually hasn't lost since last 32 fights yeah. from from Ghana. Uh, hasn't fought in like hasn't fought in like 18 months, though. Um, I think this will be a second time fighting in the U.S. Um, you know. He, I think Tego has, has a good, has very good mindset. I think he wants it. I think, you know, this is, this is, this, this will be huge for him and his family, his country, even, um, you know, um, I'm rooting for him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for whoever, whoever wants it more, you know, whoever, whoever, whoever deserves it more. That's who I'm going for. Um, but, uh, I saw, I saw him box. He has like 15 knockouts, 33 wins, um, one loss. He likes to stay in the pocket. He likes to be right there with you. Um, doesn't have that power that Garcia has. Um, so, again, I don't know who we're going to see from Ryan Garcia when he steps into the ring. But if it's that same Garcia that fought Luke Campbell, I think he could he could hurt Tego, especially if they just fight right. In the fit, especially if Tego just plans on uh, fighting right in the pocket. I think Ryan Garcia is obviously the, hot, the harder hitter. Um but again, I don't know his mindset. Um, he definitely has a lot, a lot to prove, you know, after calling out guys like Davis, uh, Lopez, you know, everybody in the division. So, you know, I, I've seen it. I've seen it a couple of times. Fighters, fighters, you know, who have a great marketing brand, great, very marketable, good looking, good looking guys, you know, besides him. And I'm thinking of a couple of other guys, but like. <laughs> And then, and then when they, when they, when they're very marketable. So they fight nobody. Yeah. Yeah. They fight nobody. They fight nobody until, right? 18th, 19th, whatever, whatever, 20th fight. And that now you need to, need to fight the real deal. Now, now it can't be all talk. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an uncomfortable position because if you don't have it at that point and you're, you plan on fighting the best, you, you can get hurt. You can get really hurt yeah. because these guys, these guys, you know, um, they, they, they have it. So if you're not sure about what you want in this game, you're going to, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. So that's, that's the thing. I, I don't, you know, I believe Canelo. I believe that, 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 uh, that he's shown a lack of discipline coming in and out of the, out of the gym for 20 minutes. But again, I know he has health issues. I don't know what he's dealing with. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is if you don't put in the right amount of effort into the sport, you're not going to get it back. Yeah. Canelo is a student of the game. He always has been, which is why he, he's, he's a gym rat. He just, he loves the sport. He loves to learn. That's why he is where he is. You, you cannot slack in this, in this game. So the fact that Ryan Garcia slacked a bit, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely, you know, interesting to see how, how, how he comes in, but is Tego the, the guy to, to, to um, show Garcia's flaws? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he can, if he can, um, Stand right in there with Garcia, trade shots. I don't know if how Garcia is going to fight. Based on my experience and my my numbers, I would have to say that you know uh, Garcia would, would would win, especially since he has you know not just uh, you know his uh, his the skill, but also if it if it would happen to go to decision, it would obviously go to Garcia unless Garcia gets just gets schooled. But um, 
But look, I, I hope I don't know what Tego is gonna bring in now. He hasn't fought in two years. This is the time of his time of his life. He could change his whole his whole history's timeline. Um, so again, I'm going for the guy who wants it more and who who deserves it. Um, but if I were to give an answer of who would win, I would say Garcia probably by probably by probably by knockout. Um, you know, um, probably by like the sixth round or so. Yeah, it'll 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 definitely be be a big payday for to go regardless when. Oh yeah, exactly. So his life has changed <laughs> yeah. no matter what. What's Ryan Garcia here? Yeah, Chantel, break this down for us. It's tough after Alex broke that down. You know what I mean? We got a real boxer on here. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's different for me from the fan perspective. Um, but yeah, Ryan Garcia, as you know, um, kind of mentioned by Alex, he's a, he's a superstar, right? He's got the big social media following. I think it was like the Fortuna fight where he stepped away from mental health issues. Major props to him for doing that and, uh, you know, speaking about it on social media because it's really, really tough. So props to him on that. I think Ryan Garcia takes a lot of slack for the things he does on social media, but I definitely had to support him through that because that was really, really tough to do as a boxer. And then the Jojo Diaz fight, he had to step out of that fight because he had that hand injury. So yeah, he's been inactive for a little while now. I think his toughest test on his resume was that Luke Campbell fight, which was like, I think it was last year of like January sometime. And that fight told me a lot about Ryan Garcia because he got knocked down um, and he came in like on a throne, yeah. like he had this like spectacle entrance that you absolutely love, came in on a throne, gets knocked down, and then he's able to stop Luke Campbell, I think it was like in the seventh round. And to me, that showed that he was really resilient and able, you know, somehow get back under control and then control the fight and take down Luke Campbell. So I was really impressed with Ryan Garcia in that fight. He's super talented. He's got a good jab. He's got that hand speed. His left hook is nasty. And, you know, Alex talked about him switching trainers. Eddie Reynoso, <coughs> he is a guy that's looked upon right now as one of the best trainers in boxing with Canelo. Look at Andy Ruiz and how fit he's gotten being under Eddie as well. And there was nothing that came out about why he switched trainers. Like on social media, Ryan Garcia made a post. It seemed like it was all love. But Joe Goosen is the real deal Hall of Famer. And it'll be interesting to see how he looks under Joe Goosen. Because, you know, Joe Goosen does not play. He trains his guys really, really hard. And I'm curious to see what type of denim he wears to the fight as well. Uh, because Joe Goosen is always good at that. Let's talk about Emmanuel Tego. 33 years old. He won 32 fights in a row. He lost his first fight and then he hadn't lost in like 18 years. Crazy. He's been inactive though in his last fight. I think he won like a 10 round decision though. He doesn't really have a lot of big names on his resume, right? When you're not fighting in the Mecca, which is obviously the States, you're not going to get as much talent as you would elsewhere. And that's the thing about him. This is his biggest fight ever. He obviously doesn't have the power when you look at his knockout ratio, but based off his wins and looking at the footage that I did find of him, he's got really good speed, quick hands. He's fast. He's skilled and he moves around the ring. Well, do I think he's going to be able to beat Ryan Garcia, even though Ryan Garcia has had a layoff? I don't think so. I think Ryan Garcia, this is a tune-up fight for him. And as Alex probably knows, you guys know, that's what boxing is, right? They're going to put you into a tune-up fight where you can put up a really good show, um, probably have a good finish. They want Ryan to have a good finish because he sells tickets. And that's why they put him in there with Tego to have a very good performance against him. And I think Ryan Garcia wins the fight by stoppage in the sixth or seventh round. And it's tough to do that because we don't have too much on Tego. So it's hard to just count him out like that. But I think overall, Ryan's more skilled. He's younger and he's going to be put out there to put on a show. What about you, Akeem? 
You know, I think it's I, I think it's going to be a tougher fight than most people think. At least for me, right? Like Tego, look, thirty-two wins. You're coming from uh, a different country. You're hungry. This is you're you're telling the family. You're telling the friends. Families come to be like, yo, this is my moment. This is my time. And someone coming in with thirty-two wins, like that's a confidence thing, right? And he probably knows. You know what? I know is Ryan Cat, and I'm gonna talk a little trash to him. Probably can't even really speak English like that. Right. But I think it's going to be different. Um, he does have a good set of tools inside of his box. Right. So um, I know he's headstrong. Right. And I know he's going to be there. I know he's going to keep coming. I just have a feeling that he is going to take it to him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Ryan responds, not necessarily from a physical standpoint. Look, the man's got all the tools. He's fast. He's quick, good length, good power. Uh, he's one of the few fighters that actually likes to go to the body. Um, we yeah. saw what he did with Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell left the body open. Um, but as Alex said, man, it's, 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 you know, pressured. It's a lot to go inside of a ring when you know what comes with it. You know people are going to say, man, if I come out of this one, they're going to talk about my mental health issues again. If this doesn't go well, they're going to talk about, man, I'm not taking it seriously. If I do anything on social media, they're going to say, man, you're not focused. You're not doing this and that. So uh, he's actually coming in to me personally with a lot of weight on his shoulder, because if he doesn't go into this fight and is himself and puts on a performance, right? Like there's, there's, if he is not going to knock him out, he has to win every single round convincingly. Or are they going to say, man, this guy's missed the beat? Why would he get a shot against Tank or, or Cambosis or Haney or Lomachenko? Why should we put him in there? So I do think he's going to win. But I think if he comes out of this one and doesn't knock him out or doesn't win convincingly, there's going to be a lot of questions to say, is this guy really supposed to be the next star? With a name like King, look, I don't think anybody should call themselves King anything, right? It <laughs> comes with a lot. So for me, um, if he comes in and he struggles to, to get Tago over there, um, I think there's going to be a lot more. He's going to look down as the weak fish in boxing in that division. Yeah, he may sell tickets, but they're going to say that's an easy win, right? So he has to come in convincingly um, and, and, and show that he is the dominant fighter and show that we should be talking to him again. So I've never really fully been sold on Ryan Garcia. I think he's a good fighter. But do I think he can get in the ring um, with a tank? Yeah, he can get in the ring, but will he beat? You know, so for me, I'm not fully sold on him. I think he has a lot of good tools, a lot of skills, a lot of talent. He's definitely uh, got the gift of gab. He can do all of the things to market the fight. He's a tremendous talent and potential of what can be. But how he handles himself in these next couple of years, I think we'll say who Ryan Garcia really is. So um, I do have him winning. Um, I'm going to go against the grain and say he doesn't knock him out in this one. I think this one goes the distance, um, but I do think uh, he controls most of the rounds. Um, but I think, again, I think he has to have more than exceptional performance in this one for us to say, you know what, this guy's a contender again back in the ring. Uh, but I definitely know enough about Triple G. I don't know, uh, I don't know a lot about Morata. Um, I don't. Um, but... Um, Triple G, he is 41. Uh, this this is this is not a fight he's supposed to lose. This is a fight uh, that he's supposed to win convincingly. So to establish that he's still 
uh, one of the top middleweights and to possibly secure a fight with Canelo uh, in September, a, th a third fight. Um, you know, um, I'm I am a Golovkin fan. I have been watching. I have been watching him train. Um, he appears to be. I have I have not seen. Um, I have not seen him um, slow slow down. Yeah. Um, he, you know, I have. You know, he, he's he's still. I mean, I know he has like since since his last fight with Canelo, he fought like Dervonchenko. He fought um, uh, Camille's uh, Scissormeta. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, he knocked him out. He knocked him out. You know, um, the power is the last thing to go. The hmm. power is the last thing to go with, with with the fighter. So you know, he if he has if he has, you know, I know he's probably not as fast as he was uh, ten years ago, but um, you know, this is a fight that 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 Golovkin is supposed to use, uh, to, to to win. I have heard. Um, I think Bob Abrams said that Murata has definitely has a has a good shot here. Um, but again, I am a Triple G fan. Um, I I have not seen him slow down. So if he is as close to the same Triple G as he's been the last couple of years, doesn't really matter who he's fighting. If it's not Canelo, if it's not, um, you know, um, I don't know, who, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, if it's not, yeah, like, you know, Murata, Murata is, is not, is not a big name. Um, he has not had the fights that Triple G has had. Um, so the only way Triple G I see losing is if he got old, real, real, if he got old, that's the only way, yeah. <laughs> that's the only way. If he got old then then he, then he'll lose. But if he's, if he didn't get old and he's staying, taking care of himself, have eating well, you know, which he is, he's, he's, this guy's obsessed with, with boxing. He's, I'm sure that's all he thinks about is fighting Canelo again, <laughs> you know, um, you know, um, He's a very, very real, real dude. And uh, I think Canelo, he took some offense. He's like, he's like, Canelo's like, um, Triple G is talking, is talking, you know, talking smack about me. Uh, I'm going to make him pay for it. Um, and tri Triple G beat him twice. Triple G beat Canelo twice. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. He beat him twice. Beat him twice. So obviously it's close to the second time, but come on, man. Triple, Triple G is like, he's one of the greatest fighters of our generation. And he's just, He's not, he's not, he doesn't have the fame that he should have because he didn't beat Canelo and did, or got recognition for it, um, you know, and then just kind of push him, push him off to, to the side. Oh, you're there. You're just there. You're there. Wait, wait for your turn. No, man. Like I love Triple G. I, I, uh, I, I definitely would like to, I'm going to do some more research about Murata, but again, if it's Triple G, same Triple G, um, he will win by knockout. Um, um, if he got old, he'll he might he might have a might have a a fight where um, you know he's a little bit slow to get off. Uh, um, you know, could just could be a little slow um, with with the age. But um, I say I say Triple G. Um, probably not by. I've heard some good things about Scott Morano. I'll I'll probably say decision. I'll mm. probably say decision. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want to do more. I definitely want to learn more about this guy Morata. Um, so, and, um, so, so, so what do you guys think? Chantel? Um, well, you know, I think this is going to be actually a really good fight because it's a unification fight for the IBF IBO and, uh, Murata has the WBA, I believe for the middleweight title and he's 36 years old. He's had a crazy long layoff. He hasn't fought since 2019. So there could definitely be some rust there, but in Japan, like he's the ultimate superstar, right? 
very well respected. I think he won Olympic gold. Uh, I think that was in London that he won Olympic gold, but uh, he does really good work on the body. Everything he throws is with power and can be vicious. He's got a really, really nice right hand that he uses a lot. His chin, I feel like it's pretty solid. Um, I haven't seen anything where I would call it sus, but the one thing that I noticed is Murata takes a lot of hits. Like he does not have the best defense and against a guy like triple G that's dangerous because we know what triple G can do. We talked about Murata's age, triple G. I think his birthday is on the eighth and they fight on the ninth. So he's going to be 40 oh. years old when this fight happens. Right. And you think about the, the age and you think about the fact that he hasn't actually fought since 2020 against Zaramata. that fight though. He looked good. Like, I was like, whoa, like, Triple G hasn't lost a step. He looked really, really good against Zermata. But it's like, it's hard to judge this fight because it's like, you know, what are we going to get from Murata, who has had a really long layoff since 2019? And then what Triple G are we going to get? Because he hasn't fought as well. And we know that Triple G's got power. Um, every single punch that he throws is with power and a lot more power than Murata. Like, let's just keep it real here. He's got a really good jab. His body work is elite. And... I think all around, though, he's just the better boxer. He has a better IQ. He's more skilled. He's better on the inside. You know, he's going to get you with that volume and that speed. And he's got a better resume. I'm going to, you know, piggyback off what Alex said. Triple G won that first fight. And if they were going to call it a draw, they should have called the second one a draw. Because that was yeah. unfair. And the judges got it wrong. And as a Triple G fan, and I like Canelo as well. But I was, like, so mad at that fight. Because this is why... People are always like boxing is rigged and the judges get it wrong because Triple G won that fight fair and square. I don't know what fight they were watching. And if they were going to call one of the fights a draw, it would have have to been that second one. Yeah. So Triple G got robbed um, in broad daylight twice, you know, and um, I think he beats Murata. He unifies those belts, the IBF, the IBO and the WBA. And then it sets up. A, the trilogy with Canelo, but Canelo's moving up as you know, he's fighting Bivol. So it's like, you know, is he's probably going to make triple G move up um, in weight. that that's what I would think. I think he would make triple G move up in weight, but I think it sets up the trilogy, but to make it short, I think because I don't know what Murata we're going to get. I don't know what, you know, Gennady Golovkin we're going to get. I still believe in triple G off his fight against Armada. I was hype after that fight, but I think I, I'm rolling with Triple G winning by decision because I don't know what Triple G we're going to get. Haven't seen him since 2020. And I don't know what Murata we're going to get. Haven't seen him since 2019. So I'm taking Triple G by decision. And um, I, I'm hoping we get to see like flashes of that old Triple G. And, you know, he hasn't slowed down because when we're seeing, you know, top notch Triple G, like the Triple G we're used to. He is by far one of the most entertaining boxers, hands down. So I'm rolling with Triple G to take care of Murata by decision. What about you, Akeem? Yeah, I'm going to backpack off a little bit about what both of you said. I I don't think this one's going to be much of a challenge for Triple G, regardless of the age, whatever coming in. I just think he does everything better than Murata. Mm. You know, he's a better boxer. He's a bigger puncher. Um, he's more uh, He's more precise, you know, and and... I think the thing with Triple G is he knows time is against him, right? And I know for me, in 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 my sports when I used to do it, you know, uh, the older you get, you don't train harder, you train smarter. And so I know Triple G is like, look, I I know down the road I'm going to have another shot against Canelo, right? So I need to train smarter, not necessarily harder. I did see him in in the boxing ring doing some sparring. Um, I saw a picture of him on the beach. I'm like, yo, the man looks in shape. <laughs> 
Mm. <laughs> like, gotta love the beach pictures. Yeah, like the man is in shape, like he's ready. And I don't think he really missed a step. And I know a lot of times, like with time, uh, people taking off time, um, you're worried about uh, ring rust and, and what that could like. But sometimes the more time off, you get rested, right? Because a solid fighter who, who is still focused on training and what they got to do, they're probably always in the gym. You're not really taking much time off. And from what I saw, it doesn't look like he took any time off, right? So I, 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 I don't think this one is going to be as close as, 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 as people may think. I think, Rio, I, I think Murata's got a good bunch of skill set, right? I don't think he wants to go in the middle of the ring and go toes with Triple G. I think he needs to fight from afar. He needs to hide behind his jab and pick his spots when he can. I think he needs to go in there and make Triple G look like a 40, 41-year-old, right? Don't try and go toes with him because he is the smaller man. He's the longer man, right? But Triple G is compact and he's strong and he doesn't need to 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 reach back as far to come through with a lot of power in between his shots so his best bet to me he needs to uh, make triple g look like he's 40 41 years old i'm not saying you have to run around the ring but i'm saying man pick your spots be patient um, and don't allow triple g to come in close with the shots because triple g when he swings even if it doesn't hit you it still ricochets through your body <laughs> you, know, you know and 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 sometimes uh, uh, the ricochet is enough to wear you down. So you put your hands down because you're just like, man, just like what triple, uh, what Canelo did to uh, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, right? Yeah. Um, not Billy Joe, Callum, Callum Smith, I think it was, where he just punched Callum wherever he could get his, wherever he could. And Callum's, oh. yeah, his bicep was just like destroyed. And, and, <laughs> He didn't hit him cleanly, but the ricochets and the after effects and Triple G has that same power. So, I mean, I think Triple G knocks him out in the seventh round, right? Kind of similar to what he did in his last fight against Scissor Meta. So that's what I think is going to happen. I think Triple G is too big, too strong. I think he's too intimidating. Um, even if he doesn't have, even if he doesn't look like his last self in his last fight, I just think he's a better boxer in general. I think he does everything better than, uh, than, than Murata. So I had the seventh round. Um, but be, before we let you go here, Alex, man, you said something, um, you said the, 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 the power is the last thing to go as a fighter gets older. Um, but from the outside looking in, you know, it may look like the opposite, right? Why, why is that? Like the opposite and, and yeah. So sometimes like the power is first thing to go. Yeah. 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 Oh, um, no, I mean, like I can tell you for a fact, like right now, like for me, um, I've always been a power puncher. My, my, my sharpness, my, my, I do a little, I do some weights. Um, you know, I'm not as fast and, you know, as fast as I, as I've been when I was in competition, but your power just stays with you. I, I don't, I don't know why I think about George Foreman when he was 45 years yeah, old, he knocked true. out Michael Moore. Yeah. Think when he almost beat a Vander Holyfield in his prime. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> You know, like Mike, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson, uh, he could still, he might look at you, see, you know, like he's Mike Tyson, obviously not as fast as he was, but he can, he could still, I guarantee Mike Tyson could probably hit harder, hit harder than a lot of heavyweights who are currently fighting right now. Um, I, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why power is the last thing to go. Um, yeah, I, I don't, but it's, it's an definitely advantage for, um, for triple G and the fact that, um, um, like if like as as you said, Murata does stay in the pocket. If anybody stays in the pocket with Triple G, you're, you're gonna get you're gonna get hurt. 
Canelo yeah. backed up. Canelo, he got Canelo to, to box, to move. Canelo doesn't do that against anybody. Triple G just comes forward. He just comes forward. He has a solid jab, um, solid defense, like unbeatable chin. Um, you know, he's never been hurt. He's just, he's different. Yeah. He's a different animal. Triple G is a different animal. He has Kazakhstan on his back. He is, he brought Kazakhstan, he brought, um, you know, he brought Kazakhstan, he put Kazakhstan on the map um, a lot, for a lot of people who didn't know. Um, but he's still hungry. He still has, he probably has a better mindset than Ryan Garcia, who was like half his age. <laughs> he's still, he's still, I don't know who, who Triple G looks up to. Could be George Foreman. Could be one, he could, could want to, you know, yeah. everything, everything is impossible until it's done. Right. You're, you're too old until you do it. You know, George Foreman was going to lose. Right. Manny Pacquiao was going to lose against uh, Thurman. Nobody knows what you can do besides you. So like what what do we have to go off of in terms of to show that Triple G is slowing down? Nothing. We don't have anything. I, I don't not Not anything solid, at least. Um, so, um, yeah, if, uh, if Murata stays, stays, uh, you know, I have to, I want to watch some of his highlights, but I don't know how he fights, but triple G most likely, I mean, I think he probably will get Murata to back up. Um, but, um, and that will probably be Murata's best chance, but if triple G lands one on you, not, not, not everybody has a chin like Canelo, you know? Yeah. Um, and you said that he gets hit a lot. You know, so yeah, he does. And on the inside, that's. That's just dangerous very, territory. Very, very hard to, to, to fix like that. And from one fight to the next. Oh, yeah. Tighten up your defense to, to not get hit with anything. It's not very easy. So if you get hit a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in fact, you told me that. And if he, if he gets hit a lot, if he doesn't have a good defense, he's going to he's going to get knocked out. Um, you can't you can't just take a shot from Triple G. So uh, but yeah, power power is the last thing to go. Um, I you know I'm, I'm curious as to as to why, like scientifically. But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Man, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um, man, we'll 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 have to get you on for uh, maybe for Tyson Fury and uh, his fight coming yeah. up in a little yeah. bit. Man, uh, it's he's, he's, he fight, who is he fighting again? Dylan White. Dylan White. What, what, and and when is that? Not this week, but the following week. The following, the sixteenth, I think it is. Oh, of April. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no, I, I I would love to. Yeah, man. You know, uh, it's 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 always great to actually have someone who actually did it and knows the mind of a boxer, man. So uh, uh, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate your time, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch, man. Thank yeah, thank you so, you so much, much, Alex. We appreciate having you on, and it was absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your story as well, and can't wait to do this again. Yes, yes. Likewise, I I never I never talk boxing with with, with like really anybody. <laughs> like I seriously like people who know what they're talking about. You know, um, besides like maybe like one or two of my clients, but um, but uh, no, it's awesome to talk to talk boxing, to talk talk life about um, you know with with you guys. Talk you know we're very very passionate individuals, and uh, um, I think this is great. I think this is great what you guys have going, um, and I have you know I have no doubt that it's going to keep growing, keep expanding, and. You know, because you guys are passionate people and you care about what you're doing. So uh, we'd love to we'd love to work with you guys again. Hey, man, you'll uh, you'll be a returning guest. In a- regular, man, regular. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. You, you, guys, you guys are awesome. You know, you know, um, you guys seem like like great, great people, great friends. So, um, you know, let's uh, let's do it. Perfect, man. Thank hey, thanks again, brother. Have a good rest Take of your care. Day. Of course. And, and, and you guys do the same. Thank, Thank you so you much. Take care. Thank you. Bye.
below. Chantel, before we get out of here, we got to break it down uh, with the word of the week. And this week is, uh, if the pandemic has taught us one thing, it's probably this word right here. And that's the ability to be, as, well, I just kind of messed it up. Not the ability to be adaptability. That was too much rhyming, but the word of the week is adaptability. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Adaptability, I think, is one of the most important traits and qualities that you can have because in life, the one constant thing in life is change and you got to be able to adapt to any situation. It could be something in a life situation that you're going through, a job, a career, whatever it is, you got to be able to adapt to that situation because if you don't adapt, you're going to get left behind. And I think the one thing that I definitely want to mention is sometimes it's going to be hard to adapt to a situation. It might take some time. It might take some work, but stick with it and know that once you make that change and as you continue to try, things will get a lot easier for you. Adaptability to me, I've had to do it on numerous occasions with work, just trying to figure out how I could adapt to a situation that was totally new, that I had no training in, that I pretended I could totally do it and went out there and just adapted to the situation and made it work. And that's one of the things that I think as a trait, you definitely got to have in life and the world that we live in now, everything is changing. People are, you know, not really going back to work. Like I know some people went back to work. Some people are staying at home, but you got to adapt to the situation that you're thrown into. And sometimes you're going to be thrown into situations and heat really quickly where you got to figure something out. Just take a deep breath and roll with it. And that would be my advice. What about you, Akeem? What does adaptability mean to you? I mean, exactly what you said, right? Change is inevitable. Um, and I think what I think about that's, it's, it's, it's leaving room for things to be different. A lot of times when we have our way and we think this is how it's always going to be and we have our plan, we have um, the direction that we want to go in. If we marry that plan without leaving room for grace and without leaving room for things to turn, we become uncooperative to change. And when we already block out what change could look like, we fight the current rather than just flowing with the current. Right. So adaptability to me is just one of those things where it's like, man, you have to think of things bigger than yourself. It doesn't mean that 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 you can't still that you should let go of your plan, but it just means, man, along the way, you're going to have to adapt, whether it's physically or whether it's perspectively where you see things a little bit different. Change is going to come, but you have to adapt to things. Otherwise, you're going to get left behind. Right. So for me, adapt to being adaptable to anything is first starting in the mind and knowing that, you know what, at some point, like it could change. But let me not fight it. Let me just find a way to flow with it. So I've always tried to be adaptable in all the environments that I've been in, you know, especially, you know, running in track and field where sometimes it's sunny. Sometimes there's a headwind. Sometimes there's a tailwind. Sometimes there's the rain. Sometimes there's no rain, you know, so you have to continue to keep going. And you have to get into the blocks and you have to put your hands down and you have to start the race regardless of the terrain, but you have to be adaptable in the situation. But if you are able to accept change in your mind, then your physical body and flesh will follow. So that's kind of my thoughts on adaptability. Um, if you have any thoughts on adaptability, let us know in the comment section below. So until I thought, uh, I thought episode 30 was a, uh, was a great show. We had a great guest. Um, and we're probably going to have him back at some point down the road. Maybe he'll be a reoccurring guest. You know, it's great to have an actual boxer uh, to break down <laughs> boxing, you know, exactly. so 
So that was nice. Um, so uh, episode 30 is down. Um, with that being said, I am Akeem Haynes. I'm Chantel Chance. And this is Point Blank. And of course, we will see you next week for episode 31. And we're out. <laughs> <laughs>